These guys, were you impressed? Of course you weren't. It was a disgrace. What happened in Afghanistan was awful, and their performance earlier this week, the covering up, potentially lying themselves, the bureaucratic double talk, it was all so bad. But, but, believe it or not, these people, <laughs> their stock has gone up in the swamp. They had the cameras on them, whatever room they walk into, whatever cocktail party, they'll be seen as team players. Meanwhile, the one officer who dared to speak out and say somebody needs to be held accountable, Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Schiller, here he is. You know where he is right now? He is in jail. He is in jail. No kidding. The Marines threw him into the brig, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, that is, in prison, in military prison. And they're not saying, really, what the hell he's doing there. It's totally crazy. Look, I knew Scheller was in trouble, but not this kind of trouble. He spoke a hell of a lot of truth, and he was speaking for a lot of people. A few weeks ago, when he sat down at his desk, he had had enough and his thoughts represent not only so many in the military, but so many in America. People are upset because their senior leaders let them down and none of them are raising their hands and accepting accountability or saying, we messed this up. I'm not saying we've got to be in, the, in Afghanistan forever, but I am saying, did any of you throw your rank on the table and say, hey, it's a bad idea to evacuate Bagram Airfield, the strategic air barriers, before we evacuate everyone? Did anyone do that? And when you didn't think to do that, did anyone raise their hand and say, we completely messed this up? From my position, potentially all those people did die in vain if we don't have senior leaders that own up and, and raise their hand and say, we did not do this well in the end. Without that, we just keep repeating the same mistakes. I have been fighting for 17 years. I am willing to throw it all away to say to my senior leaders, I demand accountability. Now this made, I love what he said, by the way. This made news a couple of weeks ago, and I assumed, and he assumed that his military career would be over. Uh, that's gonna happen when you put a video out. However, I never thought that he'd be in jail for something like this. He is again in the brig in Camp Lejeune. The Marine Corps says he is currently in pre-trial confinement. Uh, let's see here, pending an Article 32 preliminary hearing. This is, uh, this is crazy. This is not where you put somebody like him for doing what he just did. If you wanna throw him out of the Marine Corps, fine, but putting him in jail, that is crazy. By the way, this had to have gone up, at least to Secretary Austin and probably to the president himself. You don't do this without approval from a very, very high level. And when it comes to your commission, by the way, whether you are a general or a lieutenant colonel or a second lieutenant, it does come with a presidential commission. Presidential. Millie was right when he said this. I serve at the pleasure of the president. You look at any commission, not just the general's officer's commission, a second lieutenant, here, take a look at this, the president of the United States, special trust and confidence in, in this case, uh, second lieutenant Harrell, okay, United States Marine Corps. Um, yes, there are people <laughs> appointed and there are obviously many, many ranks uh, between Lieutenant Colonel Scheller and the president, but the president has a role in this. Something, this is very weird, and this is also incredibly odd. Do you remember the Marine 
in Kabul who helped save a baby. It was a beautiful, beautiful moment. So look at that. In all of that strife, that Marine, that tough Marine, that's a little infant. He's bringing him to safety. Now, the world was fascinated. Who is this? And that story, that moment made news internationally. We found out who it was, Lance Corporal Hunter Parker. So guess what? He's under investigation as well. He's under investigation. What did he do potentially wrong? He showed up at a Donald Trump rally. The crowd loved it. The former president loved it. You're going to love it. Here's what happened. We're also honored to be joined by one of the Marines who bravely served in Kabul during the withdrawal and helped evacuate children over the airport and over the airport wall. You saw him. He did a great job, Lance Corporal Hunter Ian Clark. Lance Corporal, come up here. Come up here. Come up, handsome guy. Hunter comes from a military family and went to school right here in Perry, Georgia. Can you believe that? Come on up here. Thank you, man. You want to say something? Hey, my name's uh, Lance Corporal Hunter Clark. I'm here from uh, Warner Robins, Georgia. I am the guy that uh, pulled the baby over the wall, and it's definitely probably one of the greatest things I've ever done in my entire life. Yeah. I just want to thank all the support from all y'all. It really means a lot, and uh, I'm glad to be home now today. Thank you. <laughs> Beautiful. I love the reaction. Look, he's from the neighborhood. And he's a local hero. And a visiting VIP is there, a big event. Why wouldn't he go? Well, look at our new woke military. They don't like this. They don't like this at all. That young man, that Marine, that hero is under investigation. The 24th Marine Expeditionary Unit has initiated a command investigation regarding Lance Corporal Hunter Clark's attendance at the event last weekend to determine if any DOD policies were violated. DOD policies, 137,000 pages long. I'm sure they're going to get him on something if they want to. There's a lot of discretion here. And <laughs> since everything seems to be about Trump and they're anti-Trump, they're gonna try to get him on something that, that was a beautiful moment. You saw it, I saw it. He wasn't wearing a uniform. He was not saying anything political. It was great. Meanwhile, they're giving that hero a hard time. And that slimy bureaucrat, Vinman, puts on that uniform, goes to Capitol Hill, undermines our president of the United States. And that's fine. Nothing violating policies there. By the way, they put him in that uniform when they shouldn't have. He didn't wear a uniform to work. He had essentially a staff job. Every day when he went to the White House, he wore a suit. But on the big day, they put him in that uniform. They were politicizing the uniform, big time. This really gets me frustrated. That Lance Corporal should not be under investigation. Nothing should be happening to him because the powers that be, the swamp, 
They use that uniform whenever they want to for their own political purposes. Take John McCain and George W. Bush. Now, George W. Bush, when he was running for re-election, was endorsed by John McCain. That was a big endorsement. John had his doubts about George W., just like I did and just like I have. Anyway, in the end, he endorsed him on a military base in front of troops in uniform. That, people, is a huge black and white violation of all the guidelines referencing what you can and cannot do in uniform. Putting those soldiers in that position was incredibly unfair. Um, It's happened over the years, though. Uh, People do show up at political events who are on active duty, and the swamp, when they're down with it, it's okay. Do you remember Scott O'Grady? He was a pilot who was shot down over Bosnia, I think in 1995. It was a big story. He was on the run there in the forest for about three or four days, rescued by special forces. It was a great moment. He was on the cover of Time magazine. Bill Clinton was proud of the rescue mission. But Scott wasn't that down with uh, Democrats. While he was on active duty, he went to the Republican National Convention and spoke. He spoke at the Republican National Convention. Isn't that interesting? Um, He didn't say anything that political, but his mere presence suggested that he was probably for Bob Dole and not Bill Clinton. Anyway, some people can be as political as they want to be. Others just showing up at a big event in their hometown and they come down on them or worse, throw them in jail. How about this for an example? If they're wondering why some people might be getting vaguely political in the ranks, well, let's look at the top dog and what he says and what he's doing. I want to understand white rage, and I'm white, and I want to understand it. Racism and discrimination, structural preferences, patterns of mistreatment, unspoken and unconscious bias have no place in America. I do think it's important, actually, uh, for those of us in uniform to be open-minded and be widely read. There were laws in the United States, antebellum laws prior to the Civil War that led to uh, a power differential with African-Americans that were three quarters of a human being when this country was formed. You see what I mean? We've seen these clips before. He's so political, you lead by example, and he is a terrible, terrible example. I'll be right back. So the fake news, they're terrible every single day. They were especially bad last year. You know, at the very least, they're supposed to uh, give the candidates a, a hard time. I mean, really investigate from top to bottom. As you know, they gave Joe Biden a great big pass. We didn't and we still refuse to. So we call it the vetting of Joe Biden. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? 
And it continues. I'll call this a little bit of a follow-up. Uh, Joe Biden was asked rather politely about his um, capacities during the campaign. Listen to his answer and note the cockiness. I want to turn to the blistering attacks we've seen from President Trump just this week alone on your mental fitness, whether you're <laughs> up for the job. His campaign has called you diminished. And I'm curious how you'd respond to that. Watch me. Mr. President, watch me. Look at us both, what we say, what we do, what we control, what we know, what kind of shape we're in. Come on. This, look, I think it's a legitimate question to ask anybody over 70 years old whether or not they're fit and whether they're ready. But uh, I just, only thing I can say to the American people, it's a legitimate question to ask anybody, watch me. Watch me. Well, Joe, we've been watching, and it's not pretty. Even Democrats admit they have to. You're not up for this job. We've seen you. You look terrible. I'm sorry, but you've fallen down all over the place. You're not making sense. You are in way over your head. You said it. Watch you. And now we've had some time to watch you, and you got a big problem. Where's the follow-up from the fake news? Um, there is a video. Here's a little uh, more of Joe. Citizens of our, our, our allies who went in with us. Civilians and vulnerable Afghan, uh, uh, vulnerable Afghanis. Mr. President, did you tell President Chi when you spoke to him? I'm going to seek ex-excuse ex me. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Hey, Joe, we're watching. We're doing what you said. We're watching. You're the most famous man in the world, kind of. We're watching. And it's bad. You know it's bad. Everybody can see it's bad. Even though they really do try to cover up for you the fake news and the, the executive branch of the federal government. You know, Judd got his uh, booster, the booster for the vaccine. It looked like he got it in the White House. That's what I thought. Hey, I'm just a chump. I'm looking at, uh, that must be, that looks like the East, uh, that looks like the, uh, the Rose Garden behind him, right? It's not. Did you see this? I guess he had to go to a clinic, a medical clinic. Maybe it was Walter Reed. They set it up to look like the White House. They didn't want anybody to know that Joe was at the hospital. I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty deceptive, don't you think? I think it's terrible. I think it's really, really terrible. Meanwhile, you know we've got a huge problem at this southern border, and all the left-wing media really seem to care about lately, and Democrats in Congress, the horses. And that spectacle, I thought it was totally fine. I think those cowboys are heroes. What about the drugs? When you see the crowds, you see all the people coming into our country. Um, do you think some of them might be carrying some drugs? You know, getting drugs into America used to be a really hard. People would swallow the drugs. People would fly on airplanes, Cessnas at low altitude, land on dirt airstrips in the middle of nowhere. It was really dicey. Since it's like come right in, I think it's safe to assume that the drugs are pouring into this country, and that's not good. We have a serious, serious drug problem. It's getting worse. Everybody knows it. Drug addiction is through the roof. We're seeing opioid deaths left and right. This is a huge problem, and guess who was passionate about it? Guess who made it a cornerstone of his campaign for the presidency and his presidency? Yes, our favorite guy. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. 
everybody went crazy about how politically incorrect that was, but it's true. It's true. <laughs> there are people bringing child brides into the country, and of course, drugs, and all that they care about are the horses. Kind of weird, huh? All right, take a look at this. God bless Texas. Texas, people love Texas. Right, Texas, great place. I've never lived there, been there many times. So there's a big race going on for lieutenant governor, and the new candidate is a guy named Matthew Dowd. You know this guy? He's a great big swamp snake. He used to work for George W. Bush. He helped sell the war in Iraq. Then he found his conscience, and he turned his back on George W. Bush. He became an independent. Now he's essentially a Democrat. He became a darling of the fake news every week on uh, ABC this week with George Stephanopoulos. This is something he wrote a couple of years ago, 2018. I don't think this is going to fly in Texas, do you? Us white male Christians need to step back and give others room to lead. He actually wrote this, and I think it's pretty offensive. I want to show you what's inside. We as white male Christians should do what real leadership demands and practice a level of humility which demonstrates strength by stepping back from the center of the room and begin to give up our seats at the table. That to me sounds like surrender, by the way, as I have watched the last week of disruption and drama in Washington. Who knows what he was talking about? It was 2018. Lots was going on. A major part of this world, uh, a major part would have been avoided if white male Christians had been more ready to step back, readily step back and turn over leadership to those who are not the same sex or the same color or the same religion as us. We don't need to be the ones who dominate conversations and run the meetings. Well, that's usually, we already know who's the boss, usually. I don't know what that's about. We know it is morally right, and it is what would help America in this troubling time. Huh. If my, I myself can do a much better job of this in both my personal and professional life, I don't need to always speak up or try to run meetings I happen to be in. I should interrupt less and let others from diverse backgrounds share their thoughts. Are you nauseated yet? I'm sorry. Part of the mission as white male Christians is to practice real leadership by letting others step up while we step back. All right. Easy for him to say. Uh, obviously, his faith doesn't mean much to him because, well, Christians like to share the good news. And also, I take it that he's already made his money, he's made his name, and now he, uh, I don't know. But this guy, I don't think Texas has changed all that much. This should imply for anybody, whatever your religion, you got to be who you are, all right? All right. I want to show you this also. Uh, another swamp snake who wants to be uh, not lieutenant governor, but governor of Virginia. Again, he was already governor. It's Terry McAuliffe. And um, he doesn't think parents should have a say in school curriculums or anything related to the classroom. It's true. He said it. And I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually you take books out and make their own decision. You vetoed it. So... Yeah, I stopped the bill that I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. Wow, that is a radical, radical statement. Local school boards, local parental input. And he says, no, that's a problem, Virginia. And I hope Virginia does the right thing. Wow. Um, the debate, by the way, was moderated by uh, Chuck Todd. 
Chuck Todd of the fake news. And Chuck Todd, he loves shutting down people, especially Republicans. Um, he does that pretty well. Senator, all right. Listen, I've had enough of this, too. It's really, because you have somebody say it yeah, didn't I mean, make it's, it's true. Easy, it's easy. Senator, it's, it's none easy. of these allegations. It's, Stop. You don't get to make these allegations um, uh, that, that haven't. When I say he does it well, it's a backhanded compliment. All right. He shouldn't. He has disgraced himself uh, in these formats. But it was very interesting. At that debate, he was moderating. He's in charge of maintaining decorum. Somehow. A guy who's so ready to shut up Republicans was just overwhelmed in the moment, didn't know what to do when a heckler stood up and started saying stuff. Thank you. Well, Mr. Youngkin. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Let's give this a minute. Well, I agree. All right. Thank you. So why is he not doing what he did to Senator Johnson so freely? I mean, that's his job to maintain order. And I watched his face and I listened carefully and I realized, well, he's not afraid to go after a white Christian male. Right. We just heard from some of his swamp friends that white Christian males are, well, there's nothing less cool than being a white Christian male. So I assumed uh, that this wasn't a male and probably not a white person. And I was right. It happened to be an African-American woman. And I believe that is a reason why Chuck Todd was so reticent. Um, a lot of people. Oh, my gosh, I don't want to be considered. Now, a little bit about her. Uh, she's actually running for governor herself. She probably should have been allowed into the forum to begin with. She wasn't. She was frustrated and she spoke out. I just made it very clear and I, that I am a candidate to let Virginians know that their censorship of my candidacy is racist. It is very sexist. It is very oppressive. And it's a form of voter suppression. So her name is Princess Blanding and she is running for governor. And, uh, not exactly sure why she was uh, prevented from participating, but uh, she probably deserved a podium, a seat at the table, uh, but she probably shouldn't have spoken up. But Chuck Todd, don't be afraid to uh, quiet down rude behavior from the audience, okay? Uh, you're allowed to, no matter what their color or gender, all right? Don't just be mean to white Christian men from Wisconsin. Now, all those books that are making the rounds, I want to point out that these are books of gossip, especially the new one by Stephanie Grisham. You know, the Trump people, the Trump administration gave her the opportunity of a lifetime to be the press secretary. And this is how she repays them. Gossip. It's a sin, by the way. More on that when we return. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. Okay, so that's uh, Stephanie Grisham way back uh, on Air Force One with President Trump. She was press secretary for about a year. Uh, the opportunity of a lifetime. And what did she do? 
She has turned her back on that great family and tried to cash in with a silly book full of half-truths and lies and all kinds of issues. Here are some of the highlights. Uh, let's see. Melania slept through the 2020 election night. So what? Uh, White House staff called Ivanka princess. Give me a break. Trump colonoscopy without anesthesia. Oh, this is actually somewhat interesting. He had concerns, according to the book, about Mike Pence becoming acting president. Uh, let's see. Trump used giant scissors to cut his hair. Putin had an attractive translator on purpose as a distraction. And apparently she gets very personal about Melania, the first lady, her former boss. And that's just, I think that's awful. Um, I think she's probably doing this because what? She's looking for credibility or a job in the swamp. And the way to enhance your cred in the swamp is to turn on Trump. I don't think they'll ever trust her. Who would trust her writing a book like this? And all these books that are coming out, so much of it, so much of them full of lies, half-truths, rumors, stuff that's just been made up, and a lot of gossip. A lot of gossip. And you can look it up in the Bible. Gossip, gossip is actually considered sinful behavior. So, and some people think that the Trumps, you know, Donald Trump, he doesn't have feelings. Of course he does. Of course he does. Now, he's an extraordinary man, and he can put up with a lot. But some things get under his skin, especially when you say nasty things about his family. Are you the fire, Madeline? I think it was automatic. I don't say fire or not fire. And, and I really think she had a bad night. I think it was unfortunate. She said she was drinking. And I, the whole thing was very unfortunate, and I think the press is very dishonest because it was supposed to be off the record. But still, you don't say things like she said, which were just a little bit hurtful to some people. A little bit hurtful. She was talking about, he was talking about um, his daughter, Tiffany. Uh, yeah, the guy has feelings. That family has feelings. By the way, though, that moment, that Terrible moment, and something was said about Tiffany. It turned out something bad became something good because the woman who actually talked, gossiped a little bit about uh, the Trump family, she apologized and she wrote a beautiful book about the experience, one that was actually endorsed by President Trump. It's called Off the Record, My Dream Job at the White House how I Lost It and What I Learned by Madeline Westerhout. Uh, she made a mistake. She apologized. She learned from it. And that book was ultimately endorsed by President Trump. And I understand they're, they're friends now. I love it when something good comes from something bad. And with that, Corey Lewandowski is on my mind. Corey Lewandowski is out of Trump world. There are allegations of uh, sexual harassment Seems like Corey has had an eventful couple of years and uh, may have made some mistakes uh, in his private life and possibly in his professional life. I wish him the very best, and I'm thinking about maybe, hopefully, something good happening from something that's very, very bad. Um, I don't know how close Corey is, where he is uh, in his journey of faith, but I do know that all the answers are there for him. If he hasn't availed himself already, in the Bible, and um, I wish him the very, very best. All right. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. 
Black lives do matter, not the way the Black Lives Matter movement says. They only care when a black life is taken by a white cop. Black lives matter, of course. And the life of 16-year-old Janiah Birdsong mattered. 16 years old, shot dead in South Nashville late Sunday night. A fight had broken out between a number of young men and two teenagers when the when the fight escalated, 17-year-old Jacqueline Tolbert also suffered from a, a gunshot wound and received non-life-threatening injuries. Police said the young men fled the scene in a light-colored sedan. Janiah's grandmother said a fight did not have to take Janiah's life away from the family. The ones who took her away from us, you all just don't know what y'all did. You all tore up a heart. Over what? Over what? It could have been resolved without guns. You all did not have to take my baby's life away from us. Wow. Now there's a GoFundMe page that's been set up to cover funeral expenses. Her name again, Janiah Birdsong, just 16 years old. We'll be right back. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. You know, just a couple of days ago, we had another fatal accident Amtrak did in Montana. Three fatalities. Not sure why this happened, a derailment. The train was actually going fairly slow. This is the latest fatal mishap. There have been so many over the years. Take a look. Uh, going back, Amtrak started in 1971, but uh, so many fatalities. If you compare this to uh, other um, railroads around the world, they have nothing like this kind of record. Uh, and it goes on and on and on. By the way, did you know that the vice chairman of Amtrak for several years was none other than, well, this guy. I went to Yale Law School. Um, I served on uh, at least a dozen boards before Burisma. I was a vice chairman of the board of Amtrak. Vice chairman of the board of Amtrak. It's true. From 2006 to 2009. What the hell was he doing? That's the number two. It's not a small job. All right. Amtrak has a lot of problems. That I am fascinated by. How did he get that job? What was he doing there? I would like to bring in Congressman James Comer, Republican of Kentucky, the Republican leader of the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. Uh, Congressman, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Thanks so much. Um, big picture, first of all, how does a guy like Hunter Biden become the vice chairman of Amtrak? I know his dad is crazy about the commute, but that that seems weird even for Washington. Well, there's one word to describe that, and that would be patronage. Uh, to the victor goes the spoils in politics many times. And Joe Biden has uh, been victorious over over time in a lot of elections. And uh, the spoils that he focuses on is to try to help his son, Hunter. Apparently, Hunter, to my knowledge, has never had a legitimate job. Uh, everything that I can tell Hunter Biden's ever been a part of has been because he was Joe Biden's son and he was profiting off of being Joe Biden's son. Certainly with this position in Amtrak, 
he didn't have any experience in the rail industry or any transportation experience or anything other than the fact that he was the son of Joe Biden. It may be a leap, uh, but is it possible that if that was their habit to just put politically connected uh, drug addicts in serious positions, that that could have led to, uh, well, the culture at Amtrak that we still see fairly routinely fatal accidents? I, I don't foresee Hunter Biden being any type of uh, profile and courage. I don't see him being the uh, epitome of what a leader should be. Uh, I don't know that he has any type of corporate experience. Uh, his his uh, lifestyle choices certainly wouldn't play well in a, in a corporate structure. So, uh, you know, I can't see how Hunter Biden would be an asset to any corporation, especially Amtrak. Now he's uh, left his railroad life behind, and now, as we know, he's a full-time artist, whatever. Uh, we heard a while back that Hunter Biden will never know who buys his paintings. Estimates range that they'll sell from anywhere from $250,000 to $500,000, which is, quite frankly, absurd, as you know. But now there's word that his paintings are on sale and he's actually going to the galleries and meeting with potential customers. That's in direct contradiction to what the White House said, how this would actually work out. Look, is there anything you guys can do in Congress about this, which, which, which seems to be, I mean, hideous and in plain sight corruption or at least a potential for corruption? There's a lot of potential for corruption here because what I've learned is the art world is a way that China has been laundering money into the United States. Uh, there's a lot of dirty dealings, unfortunately, that are taking place through the art world. Uh, it's been uh, kind of under the radar until Hunter Biden came on the scene. But with respect to what's going on with Hunter Biden, this isn't political. This is a national security concern. If we go by Hunter Biden's past with Libya and Ukraine, uh, and China, we see that there's a pattern to where he's tried to sell influence to the Biden family uh, through his name. Now, with what we've learned with what's going on with uh, art now being a, a main vehicle for money laundering, and the fact that this gallery where he's been selling his art has suddenly become the pathway for art to China, there's certainly a lot of suspicion here. And it's very disappointing that the White House won't disclose to the House Oversight Committee who the buyers of this artwork are. If, if Joe Biden and the White House would just tell us who they were, we wouldn't disclose that. We would be bound to secrecy, but they won't tell us that. They could tell us that in a classified briefing to where uh, we couldn't tell that. The fact that they won't be transparent with who's buying this artwork leads me to believe that uh, there's probably some foreign nationals or at the very least some special interests who have been buying this artwork probably as a pathway for uh, favor through the Biden administration. Wow. Uh, so you've you've actually formally requested these documents, uh, communications. They've not been forthcoming. And let's emphasize again, Jen Psaki came out and I think she announced something from the White House Council that they've worked it out where uh, Joe Biden and Hunter won't know the names of who's buying this uh, this artwork. They won't know the names. They somehow they'll, they'll not know who's buying five hundred thousand dollar paintings. But Hunter himself reportedly is showing up at these gallery functions where potential buyers are. Is that in violation of anything or is it just, again, the White House lying? I mean, there's no law, believe it or not, against lying. Jen Psaki does it all the time, apparently. 
Um, but do you got him on anything there? I don't think there's a law against him selling art to legitimate art dealers. The problem is he's bragged about selling art for 100000 to 500000 and he won't disclose who the art buyers are. And as we've already covered, there's a lot of money laundering taking place in the art world. And considering Hunter's shady past with foreign nationals, particularly in Ukraine, Libya, and, and China, uh, there's a, a lot of red flags there with, with Hunter. Hunter is a national security problem. I think the Biden administration knows that. Uh, that's why they constantly try to defer when, it, when they take questions about Hunter. And as you said, they could have lied about Hunter Biden, or Hunter may just be going at it on his own. Uh, this guy is a problem. He's always been a problem. He's never going to get any better. And the, the administration just needs to come clean now on who bought that initial artwork. Because if he's really getting between 100000 and half a million dollars for artwork, then that would make Hunter Biden the highest paid modern day artist in America today. And I don't think anyone buys that. No, no. And uh, who, gets, uh, who gets a 10% commission potentially? The big guy, the big guy, who knows? We don't know. Uh, but there's, uh, there's a great deal of uh, fishiness to this whole thing. Listen, Congressman Comer, we're glad you are where you are, Republican of Kentucky uh, from the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks for having me on. All right. We'll be right back. The IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, not exactly your most uh, favorite government agency, especially under the Obama administration. Remember the nasty stuff they did with conservative groups? Well, Joe Biden in this infrastructure package, I think, uh, wants to double the number of agents. Mm -hmm. But also this, right now, when it comes to banking in America, the only transactions that are really flagged big time, anything over $10,000, $10,000 or more, uh, the government is going to find out about it. But with new rules in this uh, bill, anything $600 or more, they're going to find out about. It'll be flagged and a little note will be sent to the Treasury that you spend $600 uh, you gave it to the guy who repaired your kitchen or whatever, or remodeled something. I mean, who knows? 600 bucks, it's, you know, it's not that much money in the big scheme of things. A lot of people have transactions like that. The government is going to know they're going to be brought in every time $600 changes hands, PayPal, things like that. People are using less cash than ever before. That seems incredibly, incredibly intrusive, doesn't it? So Cynthia Loomis thinks so. She's a Republican U.S. Senator from Wyoming. Look at her lay into the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen. There are obvious privacy concerns for all Americans here. Our banks will have to hire contractors to rat on their customers implement new computer software, deploy resources better used elsewhere in order to collect data for the government. Bank customers are not subjects of the federal government. Banks do not work for the IRS. Great point. Great point. And she goes on. Are you aware of how unnecessary this regulatory burden is 
do you distrust the American people so much that you need to know when they bought a couch or a cow? I am astounded by what you're supporting and proposing. I think it's invasive. I think privacy for individuals is getting ignored. And I think treating the American people like they are subjects of the government is unconscionable. Awesome. Wow. She's awesome. But this, this idea, this proposal is, is kind of scary. She's right. So what did the Treasury Secretary say? Banks already report directly to the IRS the interest that they pay on accounts when it exceeds $10. And this is not a proposal to provide detailed transaction-level data by banks to the IRS. It is a proposal to add two additional pieces of easily ascertained. All right, she struggled. Uh, and interest-bearing accounts, that's different. That is different from transactions. So uh, this is crazy stuff, and I'm glad it's, it hasn't received adequate attention. The folks in Nebraska uh, got together, some lawmakers, and uh, uh, they put out a statement. I want to show you their letter, if you don't mind. Let's go ahead and put it up. If passed, this will be one of the largest and most continuous data mining exercises against Americans in our history and will put a constant strain on customer privacy, data security, and overall safety of the banking system. $600 or more. The government will be involved. That's un American. That is crazy, crazy stuff. Such a big bill, and they sneak this weird stuff in there. We've been debating about all this other stuff, but this could really, really affect people. <sighs> Let's stay on this, um, and I guess I'm going to give Senator Loomis a call, telling her, at a girl, excuse me, at a senator, and uh, please come on the show soon. I'll be right back. Joe Biden got his booster shot. Did you see this? Um, silly me. I thought it was uh, he was sitting uh, next to the Rose Garden. You see it back there? That's the Rose Garden, right? No, it was all a phony staged setup. Look at this. Why would they do such a thing? Huh? Huh? It's totally fake. Now, apparently this was done in the Eisenhower Executive Office Building. It's a big building right next to the White House. But why the smoke and mirrors? Literally, that's smoke and mirrors. Just another weird thing from this White House. All right, folks, listen, we so appreciate you watching Newsmax. we got a great app, uh, but let's face it, we're a little bit high up on the dial, all right? Other channels are a little bit lower. Tell your friends, we like your uh, viewership, we want more. See you tomorrow.